Cougs House, part of the reason you join the Big 12 Conference is to get to play in things like the Big 12 and Big East Showdown. But as the Houston Cougars head to Xavier on Friday night, is it really going to be a big challenge? You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who can't stop by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you get the latest on Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. If you found us on YouTube, welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is so, so good to see you again. Uh, make sure you subscribe uh, that way, the latest each and every day. But also, we're doing a giveaway at seventeen fifty, and we are dangerously close. Hit subscribe, help us get there. Doing a giveaway every two fifty. Uh, like, comment the video, let us know in the contest. If after today's video, you have nothing left to say, you're all talked out about Xavier, uh, like we did with the football game against Cincinnati. Tell us what you think of Skyline Chili. There is a right answer to this one. Now, I want to talk some of in today's episode about. All things Houston Cougar basketball heading to Xavier. We had this weird stretch where we had one football game and one basketball game basically over a two-week span. Uh, of course, Houston did fire Dana Holgerson, so we got to talk a lot about all of that. But we're finally back into the part of the season. We have more basketball games, and Houston's got a hoops game tonight. So we're going to talk about previewing that one. We're going to talk some about what Xavier looks like thus far this season, uh, who matches up with who on the starting lineup and beyond, kind of where the fits are. And the last thing, I think the Houston Cougars have a lot of advantages. So what the Coug advantages are will all be in the final segment. Obviously, for more college basketball each and every day, you can always check that, check out Locked on College Basketball. Andy and Isaac break down hoops more broadly. Um, but for just the Houston Cougars perspective, let's talk a little bit about their opponent Friday night, and that is Xavier. Now, I want to point out that Houston is going to Xavier as a part of the Big East Big 12 Challenge, where the part of the year where big power six conferences, because there are six power conferences in basketball, as long as the Pac-12 is alive, all play one another. And the Big 12 matches up with the Big East. And part of the reason you join the Big 12 Conference is to get to be a part of these kinds of events. Being a power conference means you get this kind of a non-conference game to help you get ready for games in the best conference in college basketball. But Xavier... <sighs> is a lot more of a legacy program at this point, I think, than um, than maybe a, a current talent for sure. Uh, Xavier is 4-3 this season. They have losses to Purdue, Washington, and Oakland. And uh, that is not Oakland like the Golden State Warriors. That's Oakland, University of Oakland. Now, I will say Oakland is a sneaky March Madness team, as I could see it right now after watching that game to get ready for this. Um I could see them being the kind of small school that like pops in the Sweet 16 at the right matchups or makes a big splash or winning a first round game, which you're not ready for, depending on where they end up. Now, um, I thought it was interesting that Oakland won that game from a number of different aspects, but one, it got to be a very physical game, and Oakland out physicaled Xavier, which you don't typically see the group of five team do to the power five team. And they also, at various points in this game, went to an odd front zone, a 3-2 zone. And Houston does not run a lot of zone defense. Uh, but frankly, one of the things that 
I kept on belaboring. And then last year, it ended up working at a key moment in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Kelvin runs a 3-2 zone with this group. Um, when he needs to run a zone at all, he puts his two post players in the back and lets his tremendous guards put ball pressure at the front. Um, that worked really well for Oakland. We haven't seen Houston run a lot of zone. Haven't seen him need to run a lot of zone this year. So you can see them, I think, get back into that this one. The lone good win uh, for Xavier was against St. Mary's. And unfortunately for Xavier, that good win at the time where they beat St. Mary's uh, on a neutral floor at that uh, by 17 points. <laughs> slowly faded away uh it slowly looks like the kind of one that's not less and less impressive as the year goes on now with all of that said we do know that xavier's coached by sean miller and even in his first stint at xavier he was a very talented coach he is a very talented coach he leaves arizona a couple years ago with some baggage to say the least but on the whole we know on the floor he can coach basketball so i'm sure they'll have something in store for Houston. Uh, now, as far as like the way they play, I thought uh, things that were impressive to them with that they were really, really impressive with post to post passing. So like low to high, high to low kind of stuff. Once the ball gets inside of 10 or 15 feet with those two post players, they don't have like a bunch of seven footers or anything like that, but they do play two more traditional post players, a six, seven, a six, 10 kind of guys, right. That play a lot more inside that 15 foot area. Um, I thought they were really good from post post passing and they do all kinds of different ways to get it into the high, into the low, and then work that angle. What I did not think they were super good at was in their guard play, dropping the ball off to the post. So like on a drive and drop kind of things so they had a lot of turnovers in the couple games I pulled up to watch uh, from trying to force those in that way. Their post entry passes kind of have to be very open, traditional ones. I think Houston will get to the advantages later in the episode. Um, it's going to do a pretty good job of taking those away. Right, they typically, typically do. I think, interestingly enough, now this team is not as tall as Utah by any stretch, but Utah had so much size on Houston that I actually weirdly think um, Utah was a good warm-up game for this one. I think Utah is better than, than Xavier. Um, frankly, I thought Dayton uh, and Houston playing Dayton, I thought Dayton looked better than Xavier too. So maybe they'll be the best team in Ohio or something. I, I don't know. Um, but on the whole, I... I looked at a couple other things that I thought Xavier did well. Um, I thought they did not match the physicality of Oakland in that game, but I did think that what they did fairly well in that game um, was like they're very disciplined in their approach. They didn't, you see a lot of college teams when things get physical in a college game, lose their cool, lose their composure, and freak out with referees. How are you not calling this? How are you not calling that? And while I didn't think they stepped up in a physical sense, I thought they were well-disciplined in that they didn't let the physicality bother them. I think they did get out physical, but I don't think that they were mentally out of it because of the physicality. I think that's important for a college basketball team. Um, they got a couple of key players to keep an eye on. Uh, Desmond Claude is the guy for them. Uh, 16.7 points per game, 6'6 perimeter guy. Um, strong. He's off balance, finishing stuff. He's finishing through contact. And while as a team, they didn't step up to the physicality, of Oakland, I did think that he uh, he probably elevated his game as the game got more physical. It was a shame his teammates could not match him. Um, he is not a tremendous shooter of the ball from the outside. Uh, I don't see him being the kind of guy that Houston's worried about from a deep threat type of perspective. Uh, he shoots, let me double check my number here. Yeah, just 24% from three 
this season, but he is leading them in points again at 16.7 because of how well he finished around the cup. And he's so big and strong. It's hard to get him frankly off his path once he is heading towards the basket. So we'll talk about matchups in a second, but Houston's going to have to keep an eye on him as he drives. Now I mentioned the post to post pass me a real strength of theirs. Uh, I'm going to do my best with this name, but uh, Gaitis Nemeska is their six, seven power forward. Really, really impressed by him. Now he is not like a, like one trick pony. He gets 10 points per game, five rebounds per game, uh, like a half a block and, an assist and a half or something to that effect, right? But what he does is he does always seem to be doing the right thing on the floor for them. Even when things are falling apart as a team around them, he finds the right pass. And that post-to-post passing, his soft hands and good touch are really, really important on both ends of that. He plays the power forward spot. He started every game for them with a couple other guys playing at the center spot next to him. Um, I've been... Again, pretty impressed by just the like decision making and solid play out of him. He's not the kind of guy that's athletic and going to jump out of the gym and impress you that way. He's not the kind of guy that's going to light it up from three and impress you that way. He's not the kind of guy that's going to score 27 points and light impress you that way, I don't think. But he is the kind of guy that like just won't make a mistake. He just won't. And Houston's got to find a way to kind of get him off of his game a little bit. <laughs> uh, I think that they will. I'll get to more of that in a second. But first, if you're talking about getting off of your game, or if you're feeling a little off your game, or if you need to add some ways to win this weekend and step things up and get back on track, let's talk about doing it at FanDuel, America's number one sports. So because at FanDuel right now, they got a cool promotion where new customers get $150 back in bonus bets by winning any $5 money line bet. That means you can put down just $5 on a money line. And if your team wins, you get 150 bucks. That's simple. That easy. I've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get on the action. They have all kinds of fun spreads and player props and over-unders as well. But the money line I'm looking at right now is our Houston Texans are hosting the different Broncos on Sunday. They got Houston at minus 174. They also, for what it's worth, have Houston as a three-and-a-half point favorite over and set at 47-and-a-half. I'm taking Houston across the board on all that. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think that, uh, you know, Turnovers are random, and I feel like Denver's relied on a lot of those this season. We know that Houston can take care of the ball. I'm thinking on Houston across the board on that. I'm thinking about you should do it, thinking that you should do it at FanDuel.com. FanDuel.com slash locked on kickoff the NFL season this year. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so I still want to talk some about matchups in this one because I think it's interesting because Houston – and a lot of the Big 12, Big East matchups would have been undersized. They would have had problems where you know they're playing a couple 6'10s and they you know, only start one 6'9 themselves. Or they're playing a bunch of 6'5 guards and Houston plays a couple at, at any one given time. They'll have two or three guards under 6'2 on the team, on the floor, right? Like I think across the board, Houston could have had problems with various teams in these crossover matchups with the Big East just from a size perspective. And then we've seen what Kelvin Sampson does to overcome those. Xavier's interestingly not that from a physical perspective. So uh, let's go down the list. Starting point guard for them, I think, will be Dayton McKnight, uh, Davian McKnight. I'm sorry, uh, spell check did that for me. It's Davian McKnight. Now, this kid is a 6'1 
190 strong, very similar build, frankly, to Jamal Shedd kind of kid. Um, he originally went to Western Kentucky, but has been at Xavier this year. Uh, at Western Kentucky, he did a lot of the, let me double check, the scoring. Uh, he was a 16 and a half points per game guy for them. It was all everything across the board in Conference USA at, at Western Kentucky. At Xavier, he's been a lot more of your traditional point guard, a lot more of distributing the basketball. Uh, he's got over five assists per game. He kind of orchestrates the offense and makes sure everyone's on the right uh, track, in the right spots at the right time. Uh, he runs a fairly, I want to say, slow pace relative to the rest of college basketball per Ken Palm. But for what it's worth, Houston's played slower. So it might feel not as slow because Houston's just by happenstance in the, in the Charleston classic and things like that plays some slower playing teams. Um, but he controls the pace and makes sure things are going in uh, Xavier's favor. Uh, but he's a matchup with Jamal Shedd. I think it's kind of thing where Jamal Shedd is similar type player, but better, <laughs> right? Like, like they do the same things. I think Jamal should probably scores the ball a little bit better uh, as well. But then, Jamal Shedd is a little bit faster, a little bit better dictating the pace and a little bit better at picking a spot to speed up the tempo. A little bit better. Like, I just think he's better at each of those things. Um, Quincy Lavari will be their shooting guard. Quincy Lavari um, is a 6'2 junior. Uh, he also transferred in from Rice. If that's a familiar name, it's because he's from Rice. Um, he'll be the shooting guard starting alongside uh, David McKnight. I think that's an LJ Cryer matchup. Now, I will say Cryer is not the defender that Jamal Shedd is. And honestly, Olivari is a little bit better shooter than, um, than McKnight is. So I could see if you're Samson, do you maybe flip-flop that and give Cryer the easier defensive matchup from a you know score perspective or whatever and let him spend more of his energy on offense because he's a great shooter for us. Maybe um, I would imagine I start though with Cryer on Olivari. Um, as far as how he gets his points, he is a shooter as well. He looks a lot like LJ Cryer for them. Again, I think Cryer's better, but for them, he's shooting 37 and a half percent from three this season on almost six attempts, which is a lot for a college kid. Um, so look for him running off screens. Look for him. He's not doing it off the bounce like Sasser did for us a year ago, but you will see him doing all kinds of work. Uh, running around without the ball to ultimately pop out and shoot the ball uh, like in a catch-and-shoot type of situation. Um, I mentioned Desmond Claude um, as their small forward. If Houston starts Damian Dunn, I think that's a great matchup here because Damian does not give up a lot of size. Claude is 6'5", 205, uh, someplace 7 at 6'6", so we'll call him 6'5 and a half. He's a stockier build, though, big and strong. He was at strength as advantage on the drives. He's the most impressive offensive player in a one-on-one -on -one sense on that roster. It's not that Damian Dunn is the best defender on Houston's roster. That's really, I think, mostly because Houston's got so many good defenders. Not to it's not shots at Damian necessarily. But as far as a, like perimeter guy that has the strength to keep up with Claude and keep him out of the paint. I think you've got to go with Dunn here. Um, I could also see if they start Emmanuel Sharp, obviously Sharp covering him because Sharp's got a little bit more uh, weight to him as well than, as compared to other guards. So look for either one of those guys starting at the three spot to get Desmond Claude here. Um, he is interesting in his scoring, as I mentioned in the first segment. Finishes a lot around the rim, so you got to keep him out of the paint. So I think that's where that strength will come into effect. Uh, Guidus Nemesca, 
Meskia, Meskia. Uh, anyway, Gaitis. He is again their most impressive player to me because he just doesn't play, uh, doesn't make very many mis- mistakes when he plays. He's mistake-free basketball player. Um, he's a traditional high post, fifteen to eighteen feet, comfortable putting on the ball- ground for a couple dribbles, but not putting on the ground for more than that. Good passer, good finisher, uh, just 10 points per game, just five rebounds per game, just one and a half assists per game. Nothing crazy, just does the right thing a lot. Because of that, I think you've got to put Jawan Roberts on him. I say that even when Jawan is technically the five, or sorry, uh, like with JoJo Tugler at the four, Terrence Arsenal at the four, something like that. I think you, unless you absolutely have to, from a size perspective, move him off, I think Jawan has to cover Guidus because, frankly, Juwan is kind of our guy that does a lot of the same things defensively. He's always in the right help side spot. He's always rotating over at the right time. He's always picking his spots to come and make the sports center play at the right kind of moments. And he's always picking the right time to make the safe play at the right kind of moments. And I think that having our high IQ forward on their high IQ forward is a way to kind of, I don't know, uh, neutralize to say the strength that he is in a, a mistake-free basketball player. And frankly, can Jawan you know, bait him into one of his first mistakes of the season? He's really, really talented, but I think Jawan Roberts can kind of keep him negligible or like to a negligible impact on the game. Um, they start, started two different centers this season. I have not seen reporting as to what the thought there was, but Abu is main uh, is a, what is he listed here at 6'10, 250? And uh, Sasa Siani is a 6'9, 240, right? Both traditional big centers. Um, frankly, both just finishing at the rim, not doing a whole lot of other things because they camp out near the rim so much. I imagine this makes it a very easy game for Javier Francis to play a lot because he can cover that post up by the rim. He can also take a quick one gallop shuffle and cover the other side of the rim on a driver. Um, the length of Javier will help match up, help him match up for what he lacks in size and weight. I don't think Javier is quite to 250 these days or anything like that. Um, but the length at the rim is going to be really, really important. Uh, both Usman and Siani are the kind of guys that get a lot of, for lack of a better phrasing, garbage buckets, right? They're, at the rim, at the right time, when they're receiving end of assists, when they're receiving end of putbacks, they're just, you know, again, garbage bucket type guys. And frankly, um, what that means is, is that as they're not the focal point of the offense, but they are an involved part of the offense, that it keeps Javier by the rim and helps on defense, but it doesn't necessarily um, put him in a spot on the perimeter or something where he can't. Hang. I think it's a really good matchup for him. I think we'll see a lot more minutes out of him than we saw in some of the other games in Charleston. As far as the bench goes, I think you'll see a lot of Arsenault, a lot of JoJo Tugler. If they start Damian Dunn, a lot of Sharp. If they start Sharp, a lot of Damian Dunn and vice versa, right? Whichever of the uh, Usman or Siani doesn't start at center for Xavier, you're, you're going to see the other one. Uh, they'll see Trey Green, a freshman backup point guard. He's listed at six foot. He might be 5'11". He is a little faster than uh, Davian uh, McKnight, but he scores the ball even less. Um, he's you know, able to turn the ball. He is known to turn the ball over. And as you look at their games across the board, he's averaging two turnovers per game on very limited minutes. Um, and again, freshman point guard, it happens. I imagine you see him in the game, you see a little bit more amped up ball pressure. They're going to get the ball out of his hands and hopefully force a few more of 
those turnovers. The other guy you see come off the bench for Xavier is Dalen Swain. He's another 6'7 perimeter guy, um, but he's another 6'7 perimeter guy that is better around the rim, and so you'll see him driving a lot. Um, he's going to try and drive and dish, but he's really going to be better off when he tries to drive and score. Again, unless they had him and uh, Desmond Claude in the game at the same time, they didn't do that a whole lot in games I saw. Um, I imagine what you're going to see is Damian Dunner or Emmanuel Sharp on those guys. Uh, I could see Houston going to a super small lineup with JoJo Arsenault, Dunn, uh, maybe Malik Wilson, and uh, Sharp or uh, Shed or, or Cryer at the point. Uh, with that, if that's the case, what I imagine you'll see is full court pressure to try and get the ball turned over before they can get to their advantages inside. What I really bet you see happening though, is because of how much they play through the four and the five and at the rim in this offense, you'll see a lot of ball pressure inside what you'd call a high school gym, the volleyball line, right? We're trying to force them into turnovers and those kinds of things. Now I said in the third segment, I want to talk some about the advantages and I'm already kind of in to that. But the advantage I see here is that Houston and that ball pressure is going to be so, so vital. Um, Xavier has 10 turnovers per game on just 67 possessions. Okay, That means one out of every seven plays, they're getting a turnover. And they've played some really low-end competition along the way to get to those numbers, right? Um, now, I don't mean to like denigrate other programs, but like, they played Bryant. They played Jacksonville. Uh, played Robert Morris. And Robert Morris, I think, is a team that can be sneaky at times, but it's not looking like their best roster by any stretch. Um, and they still turn the ball over fairly often for a team that plays so few possessions per game. I imagine Houston's ball pressure and trapping and rotations, the monster kind of stuff we see on the post, all of that will, I think, force that number to be much much higher, even if they only play 67, 68 possessions in this game, I think you're going to see at least double digit turnovers. I think you see more like 15. Uh, again, Houston is going to be able to turn these guys over a lot. Uh, the speed, I know Houston's not quite have the same speed in uh, same size inside in that Javier is 6'9", and, and he's the only real, I mean, Tugler's listed at 6'8", 6'7", some places, like, and those are the only real like big guys they've got, whereas They've got a couple six tens at Xavier, but the speed and length with which Houston is aggressively playing defense down low will make up for a lot of that. You'll see that same intensity and high motor type play transfer translate, I should say, into a bunch of rebounds in this one as well. I think this is the kind of game where Houston will start slow because they always seem to start slow. Um, and then they'll get a timeout where Samson chews them out a little bit and they'll pick it up and and go from there. I think this is the kind of game. We're going to see fairly even scoring throughout. You might get a crier 20 ball because he is that kind of a shooter. If he's got a hot night, you got to feed the hot hand. I think some shooter will, I, I should back up. I think some shooter will have a 20 point night, whether it's crier, sharp, done, whomever. I think after that, it'd be fairly evenly score, even balanced scoring across the board. Um, nothing too, too crazy. I think Houston get a lot of stuff they want out of some basic sets and things like that. Um, you know, basic high screen and roll with the five, uh, maybe a short roll to J1 and J1 condition from there. I'd love to see Terrence Arsenault at the small ball four do some pick and short roll and they get to distribute out of there. I think that's ultimately the kind of thing he's gonna be really, really good at for this team down the line. I don't know if he'll get to do it in this game, 
because the six sevens and six tens, I bet he's playing more of the true three than the small ball four. But I digress. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Now, I will be watching this game before I come online to talk about it. However, as you all know, I do coach high school basketball. We are playing Friday night um, at roughly, I think we tip off about an hour after this one tips off, which means I'll be in pregame at the start, which means I'll end up doing the deal where I get home late and probably say I'm going to watch the first half and I'm watching the entire game sometime around midnight. Um, as far as when the recap show will be, we're still trying to toying with the idea of when to do Cougars at dark during basketball season because basketball games are all kinds of different days. But Saturday was kind of a nice, like everyone gets together on a Saturday and talk about things on the live show for Houston bat for Houston football because football games are every Saturday. Um, so we're still toying with the idea. If you got ideas yourself, put in the comments um, down below. Sometimes weeknights can get kind of late for people, especially when you're a school teacher like me uh, and those kinds of things. Uh, the other hiccup with this particular Saturday, as you all know, I said a couple episodes back, um, Coach Yvonne Adams, uh, mother of KJ Adams at Kansas passed away uh, from our second bout with cancer um, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, we, she was a really important person in my life. We're really close. And um, I'm going to be going back to Austin for the funeral on Saturday, just a day trip back to Austin for the funeral. Um, and so as far as recording anything this Saturday and going live on the Saturday, um, I know I'm getting up super early, get in the car, driving to Austin, uh, and then after an emotional afternoon, I don't know what the rest of the day will look like. So I hesitate to commit to a live show Saturday night, um, but I'm open to doing Cougars After Dark because, frankly, we all could use some talking about light, nice, light things like Houston Cougar basketball at some point this weekend. Um, open ideas as far as when to get those scheduled during basketball season. So while well, this weekend looks hard, um, tell me in the comments down below what you think would be a good schedule for that. Thank you all so much for tuning into Locked on Cougs today. Be look on the lookout for a bonus episode about potential coaching news at some point this weekend. Um, again, on the lookout for this episode, potential coaching news, whenever that drops. Uh, we're looking to get out as soon as we can once that news hits. So make sure you like, subscribe, comment, rate, review, all the wonderful things that have with the podcast where you find us. Oh, so, side note, if you made it this far, if you are a Spotify person, your Spotify wrapped had Locked on Cougs, one of your top whatever podcasts, find me on social media and let me know. I'm sending out stickers to people to let me know. I already got, I'm up to like six or seven people right now where Locked on Cougs in their top couple of podcasts. So sending out stickers to all people that are everydayers here at Locked on Cougs. So make sure you subscribe, join the Everyday Club, and maybe next year Spotify wrapped, we'll be giving away something Bigger than stickers. Who knows? Lockdown Cougs, a private lockdown podcast network. That means your team, our Cougs, every day. Go Cougs.